Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State Athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with the Wisconsin beat writer for The Athletic, Jesse Temple. In our conversation, we get into how former Buckeye Luke Fickle's first season in Madison has been going, what the Badgers' new-look offense under coordinator Phil Longo looks like, how Wisconsin might try to shut down Marvin Harrison Jr., and much more. Now, before we get into that conversation, if you are finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you get all of the unique and varied perspectives that you will only hear from the Land Grant Podcast Network. Also, please, if you wouldn't mind, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your daily dose of audio goodness. We would really appreciate it. All right, after a quick little break, we'll be back with The Athletic's Jesse Temple. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Jesse, with Ohio State coming to Madison this weekend, I want to start with kind of some of the biggest news for the Badgers right now. Tanner Mordecai is currently out for an indeterminate amount of time, and Braden Locke is stepping in in his stead. He was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. He is the new starting quarterback, at least for the time being, for the Badgers. What should Buckeye fans and Big Ten fans in general know about Braden Locke if they have not seen him play over the last game or so uh, after replacing Tanner? So this is actually Locke's second year in college. He's a redshirt freshman. He took his redshirt year last year at Mississippi State under Mike Leach, um, and that was the first start of his career. What people should know about him is he's definitely a quarterback who can sling it, and what he has been known for since he came to Wisconsin in January is his intelligence and understanding of the playbook. He ran an air raid offense his entire life. He set touchdown records at his uh, in the state of Texas and obviously went to play for Mike Leach because it was an air raid. And Phil Longo's offense at Wisconsin – is a variation on the air raid, which he learned from Leach. So that really helped Locke stand out in what we thought when spring practice began might be a log jam for the backup quarterback job. It was Locke's all along. The biggest difference between Locke and Mordecai, other than experience, is Mordecai was a lot more mobile. You could watch him the first half of the season, and he would turn a play that should go for an eight-yard sack, a loss of eight yards, into a six-yard gain. Or he could escape pressure and throw a touchdown pass. And that's not Locke's game. He's more of a a pocket type of quarterback. I thought he really performed pretty well, obviously, late against Illinois. You look at the stat line, and he only completed 21 of 41 passes. But they were really up against it. Down two touchdowns, looking like they're going to lose again to Illinois. And then they've got to play Ohio State, potentially drop to 500 this season. And he made some big-time throws. He's just kind of cool as a, the other side of the pillow, as the late Stuart Scott used to say. So those are some of the things that have stood out about Braden. But this this will be the biggest challenge of his young career without question. Sure. And it's interesting that we have seen such a turn in the Wisconsin offense with, you mentioned, new offensive coordinator Phil Longo coming in. How, from your much more nuanced opinion uh, than mine as an as a outsider who has not watched every single snap of Wisconsin football so far this season, how has that move from the traditional power running game offense that so many people associate with the Badgers Uh, in years past to what is now essentially a variation on that air raid, like you mentioned, from Phil Longo. How is that transition going during the first year of this new regime in Madison? It's been an ongoing process. The thing is, expectations for this program and the excitement coming into this season were as high as 
as I can remember it, my first season on the beat was 2011. I started right in the middle of Russell Wilson's and Monte Ball's season. So the excitement was there that year, but they didn't have the transfer portal. I mean, they had Russell Wilson, an amazing transfer, uh, but they brought in 17 transfers this offseason. They had this new offense. You're bringing in Luke Fickle, who had all this success at Cincinnati. And the offense hasn't met what those expectations were. And some of it, I think, and Luke Fickle has addressed this, has to do with trying to mesh the skill set of the players that were on this roster with this new system. It hasn't been as seamless or as easy as some people had hoped. That's not to say there haven't been moments, but it hasn't been a game where they dominated for four quarters and the offense consistently moved the ball all the way through. The biggest changes are, to your point, they used to be known as a ground and pound type of offense. And the run game is still vitally important to Phil Longo. There is a pretty good balance between the run and the pass, but it's a lot more spread out. There's a lot of three receiver formations. Here's the play that I think best illustrates the difference between Wisconsin now and anybody and the Wisconsin that anybody listening may have seen before. They had a play a couple weeks ago in the loss to Iowa was late in the third quarter and Braden Locke was in there his first extensive action. They had a third and two. And they went to an empty backfield with five wide receivers that included three slot receivers. Now that play ended in an incompletion and a punt, but that to me is one of the quintessential differences in this offense is you're seeing them do things. You just wouldn't have seen the Badgers do before. It's a delicate balance because they still have Braylon Allen. Who's coming off a monster game against Illinois. And you want to be able to get him the ball, but you also want to be able to open things up with the passing attack. And they've got to do both extremely well to have a chance against Ohio state. You mentioned Braylon Allen. He is, despite all of the air raid philosophies that have become part of the Wisconsin offense this season, he is still leading the Big Ten in rushing yards per game. He's the only Big Ten back over 100 yards, although it is just barely at 100.57 yards per game, but good for him nonetheless. And he's averaging just under six yards per carry. So he is still having success just in a much different way. How has what they are asking him to do as a Badger running back changed this season from what we've seen in his first couple of seasons in Madison. Well, the thing he was most excited about in deciding to come back for his junior season was no longer having to face as many eight or nine man boxes. Nobody faced more eight or nine man boxes outside of the three service academies than Wisconsin did. And obviously (laughs) that directly impacted Braylon Allen and his ability to find space. And so he just could not wait for there to be, potentially six-man boxes and have more room to operate. The biggest change that's happened during the season is when this season began, it was supposed to be the one-two punch of Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi, who was a a former Clemson transfer. When he came here in 2021, he was the starter. He got hurt towards ACL. Braylon Allen took over as a starter late in the year as a true freshman. And early in the year, you saw both of them about equal reps. Braylon was averaging... 13 carries a game and Chez was averaging 12.8 and then Chez got hurt, suffered a a serious leg injury against Purdue. And what that has done is put so much more on Braylon's plate because he went from averaging about 13 carries a game to over the last three games, he carried 21 times against Rutgers, 18 times against Iowa, and he tied his career high with 29 carries against Illinois. They need to figure out how to strike a better balance with him because Braylon has a history of injuries through no fault of his own. He's built like a truck. He's 245 pounds. He was originally going to be a a linebacker and then obviously turned into a running back. He's just a massive guy. But 
he's been hurt each year and dealt with some injuries earlier this year. So Luke Fickle talked about it this week. They, they need him to play a little bit less if they can. I think he played 72 snaps this weekend against Illinois, which is a ton. But their backup is Jackson Aker, who's played fullback last year and doesn't have as much experience. You don't want to take Braylon off the field. But in terms of the differences, early in the season, they were using him a lot more on swing routes. They were trying to figure out how do we get him the ball in space and let him operate. It wasn't particularly effective. There was You would usually see a two-yard pass play. And it was kind of like, well, if you're going to do that, maybe you should run the ball. So things are a little bit more open for him. But he is still a downhill power type of running back. And it's just getting the ball to him and creating space in different ways. But no doubt, he is a critical part of this offense. Obviously, I think a lot of Ohio State fans come in and look at this game, not only because Ohio State and Wisconsin have had a, a pretty fun series, at least from a, an Ohio State perspective, I, I, I presume. But um, also, there's the added element of Luke Fickle being the head coach at Wisconsin now. And I think all Ohio State fans, or at least the vast majority of them, want nothing but good things for Luke Fickle. How has the first season or first half of a season been for the Wisconsin fans? He's an outsider, very different from a lot of the most recent coaches, not only in terms of pedigree, but also in terms of uh, of at least the offensive philosophy that he brings with him. As you said, it's been kind of up and down for the first part of the season, maybe not things going exactly how a lot of folks had either anticipated or hoped. But what is the vibe on Luke Fickle and his pro and his leadership of the program the first, what, eight weeks into the season? Well, before this Wisconsin team played a game in September with Fickle and the new staff on board, uh, he won the offseason. The energy, excitement, enthusiasm was so high. He's an intense guy, but he brought people with him who provided such a boost to this program. And they've attacked recruiting and the transfer portal. Obviously, I mentioned the new coaching staff. But you got to win games. Right now, Wisconsin is five and two and three and one in the Big Ten, a half game lead in the West Division, just because they've played one fewer game than some of the other teams, including Iowa. But I think it's about results. The fans here are going to give him a long leash because of the success that he had at Cincinnati. And I think people are starting to realize that this is going to take a little more time than they might have hoped. It's hard to come in and overhaul the offense and you've still got a lot of the same players that didn't have a very good year last year and a team that hasn't been particularly good for any of the last three years or at least consistent offensively and make it happen right away. So people it's not a, it doesn't I don't think matter as much that he's not an in-state guy. He seems to be very self-aware and it's something that he talked about early in his tenure here that he brought a staff here that didn't have ties to Wisconsin, and that went against what Wisconsin has been for so long. The previous head coach, Paul Christ, was a former player here, a former assistant coach. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, the same. He had multiple coaches and staffers who were here that were a part of the program. It comes down to winning games. I mean, Luke is still going to have to recruit this state well, but he's got a long-term vision and a plan, and what he did at Cincinnati certainly can't be ignored. Now you've just got to translate it to the Big Ten but it's going to be a challenge. We know that there is expansion coming with some great college football teams, and it's going to be harder than ever to win the Big Ten. That's why Wisconsin went and got Luke Fickle. You mentioned Jim Leonard, and I think a lot of outsiders just assumed that when there was an opening in Wisconsin that he would be the guy 
that got the job. Was that the general consensus amongst the fan base, whether that's what they wondered or not, was the assumption just going to be that he was the heir apparent and he would take over and just kind of continue the line down from Barry Alvarez all the way through? Or was the majority of the fan base, if it's even possible to categorize when an entire fan base once, were they were they open and actually hungry for a different perspective to come in and and take the program in the different direction that you have talked about it uh, kind of going under fickle? It was very much an assumption that Jim Leonard would end up becoming the full-time coach. I mentioned his history in the program. He came here as a walk-on from Tony, Wisconsin. It's a small town, about four hours away. Ended up becoming a three-time All-American safety. Then he goes to the NFL as an undrafted free agent and carves out a 10-year career. Just ridiculous for a guy his size and for a guy who was consistently overlooked. One year out of retiring from the NFL, Paul Christ hires him as the defensive backs coach. The next year, he gets promoted to defensive coordinator and helps to lead one of the best defenses in the country and established himself as one of the best young minds in the coaching industry in college football. I mentioned before how beloved he was. He inherited a tremendously difficult situation last year. Wisconsin was two and three. The players are reeling from Paul Chris being fired. It's the first time a coach here has been fired at midseason in the history of the program. And he thought, I thought he did an admirable job of trying to keep things together, but he was still coaching with the same players who weren't very good and the same coaching staff that he didn't hire. I thought he did enough to earn the job. But what we didn't know is who exactly the athletic director here, Chris McIntosh, was talking to. I think anybody would have said if Jim Leonard wasn't going to get the job, the one guy you would go out and get and feel pretty good about is Luke Fickle, because we all know how many other programs tried to get him, particularly in that year when the Bearcats went to the college football playoff. But he didn't want to entertain any any offers or opportunities to talk while still trying to lead a team to a national championship. So it really kind of worked out because Cincinnati was eliminated from a conference championship game and Wisconsin was able to hire him. But there were a lot of mixed emotions for the Badgers and the fan base. They all love Jim Leonard. To me, I look at it like Jim Leonard is now where Luke Fickle was seven years ago when Fickle hmm. took over to be the head coach at Cincinnati. What they did was they, Jim Leonard, by the time they hired Luke Fickle, had coached seven games as a head coach in an interim role. And Fickle had seven years of experience. And it was really hard to deny what he did at Cincinnati. So I think that played a, a major role. It hurt for a lot of people. But the long-term vision now is Luke Fickle bringing in his people to try and elevate this program to new heights. Going back to the game on Saturday, Ohio State has made a lot of strides uh, on defense going from a couple seasons ago where it was just a porous, horrendous defense. And in two years' time under Jim Knowles has become uh, arguably one of the best defenses in the country. The offense, however, is still struggling uh, a little bit to find its footing under first-year starting quarterback Kyle McCord. With all of the changes on offense being understood from Wisconsin, how has the defense changed, if at all, under Luke Fickle, who is a defense-focused guy? And what are they most likely to throw at this Ohio State team who isn't running the ball super well and a, a, a new quarterback who does have some tendency to rush throws, especially with pressure coming at him? Luke Fickle hired Mike Tressel as a defensive coordinator who was the D.C. at Cincinnati the last couple of years, which includes that year when Cincinnati went to the college football playoff in 2021. And he's implemented some schematic changes. It's much like the offense. They're trying to figure out how do we mesh what worked under Jim Leonard and with these players with a little bit of a new system. And I think there's probably just like with the offense, 
uh, a patience game that you have to have. One thing that he did that was a little bit different was he implemented something called a dollar defense where they put six defensive backs on the field. And one of them, mm-hmm. safety Hunter Wohler, plays at linebacker depth. And, and he's their best defender this year, Hunter Wohler. I'll, I, he's going to be a first-team All-Big Ten in my mind. He's got 70 tackles already. He can play up in the box. He can stuff the run. He can drop back into coverage. What's interesting is he's an in-state kid, was the first four-star safety from the state in the online recruiting rankings era. And he chose Wisconsin over Ohio State. The Buckeyes very rarely come in here and try to get a a skill position type of guy and uh, speaks to his talent level. But in terms of the defensive structure and what they will do, you got to keep everyone in front of you. Wisconsin's defense this year has struggled at times surrendering big plays. They've gotten better. I thought they played reasonably well the last couple games. But this, like I said, (laughs) you can say this about every phase of Wisconsin, but this is the toughest challenge of the year for this team. And you've got to have your playmakers come up when it matters most. Ohio State is kind of trying to recreate some of the passing magic that they've had uh, the last couple seasons under first Wayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and then C.J. Stroud with Kyle McCord. But obviously they are going to rely heavily on Marvin Harrison Jr. With this dollar defense that you are talking about, is the... Is, is the assumption going to be that they're going to try to throw multiple guys at Marv to stop him? Is it going to be uh, a, a kind of a bracket situation where they say, okay, we're going to, if you can beat us, great, but you're not going to do it using Marvin Harrison Jr. What do you expect the philosophy to be against a player who is arguably the best non-quarterback in the country? Obviously, I'm not sitting in on Mike Tressel's game plan, but I think anybody would see what Harrison has done this year what he just did against Penn state. And you say, do you really want to man up against that guy and and take your best shot? Maybe, but you probably want to figure out how to bracket him or keep multiple guys in that area. It's going to be very interesting. They, I thought they had a really talented group of defensive backs and they made a lot of plays in the preseason. There have been some good moments and some bad moments at, at cornerback. I've been really impressed with Ricardo Hallman. He is uh I mean, he's got four interceptions this year, and he's just been outstanding after going through a tough stretch last year, but he's under six feet. I mean, one of the things Wisconsin is trying to do with its recruiting at defensive back is get some of these bigger-bodied guys who are 6'2 and 6'3, and I think a lot of it has to do with being able to defend guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. So I don't know exactly what what they're going to do, but you can't just rely on the back end. This is You hear that cliche of it takes all 11. You need your defensive linemen to be playmakers and your linebackers to create some pressure. So McCord can't just stand back there and dial it up down the field because I just I don't think that's a battle Wisconsin wants to get into. Assuming that weather or anything like that does not play a factor in Saturday's game, if Wisconsin is in this game in the fourth quarter, what do you expect the main reason to be what is the thing that they have to do better than anything else to have a shot to pull the upset with the Buckeyes coming to town on Saturday it's the football cliches but it rings especially true in a matchup like this Wisconsin is going to have to play the best game that it will play all year to have a chance those are just facts they're going to have to take care of the football and they're going to have to eliminate big plays and potentially get a couple on their own because it's going to be, to me, extremely difficult for them to put together a 12-play touchdown drive against Ohio State. I mean, it's it's not impossible, but everybody just watched Penn State. It took them 58 minutes 
to convert a, a third or a fourth down, if I'm not mistaken. And that Penn State team was pretty darn good coming in. So can't beat yourself. And those big plays, we've seen them time and time again against Ohio State. I know this is not the same scenario because I do think playing in Camp Randall Stadium at night makes a substantial difference. The Badgers typically play the Buckeyes close in Madison. But when they went to Columbus last year, Wisconsin was absolutely embarrassed. It was a week before Wisconsin lost at home 34-10 to Illinois, and the next day Paul Crisp was fired. Ohio State led by four touchdowns before Wisconsin even crossed midfield as an offense which is absolutely ridiculous. The game was effectively over in six minutes. I think the Buckeyes were up 14 to nothing, six minutes into the game. Those kinds of things cannot happen for Wisconsin to have a shot. So I know I'm kind of speaking the football cliches, but when you play Ohio State, you darn well better do everything right to give yourself a chance. Um, I'll wrap it up with a question, not necessarily about this coming game, but we here in Buckeye Nation have heard a lot about this kind of weirdness going on with Michigan and the sign stealing and all that stuff. Has there been any conversation about that around the Wisconsin program? Reports are that a number of Big Ten teams have not only been notified about this, but also might have uh, reached out to the Big Ten about this. Has there been any uh, involvement either confirmed or reported uh, from the Wisconsin program about this? Obviously, it would be under a different head coach and administration, so maybe there's not as much institutional knowledge about that going on. Uh, but has there been any discussion about that around the Badger program? Zero. As, as At the time of us having this conversation, yeah, no, none. Fickle wasn't asked about it. It's not a question that anybody here cares about that much right now. I mean, Michigan <laughs> isn't on the schedule this year. Wisconsin is about to play the most massive game of its season, and so I'm not aware of that being much of a conversation at all, but I can understand why in Columbus it would be a whole lot bigger deal considering the rivalry that Ohio State has with Michigan. Yeah, I, to me, it's more of a fun side story than anything else. It's just it's just kind of goofy and only one of those things that happens in college football. And honestly, with Jim Harbaugh involved, everything's kind of goofy. So uh, so it's kind of a, a a fun circus show for the time being, but uh, we'll see what plays out. But very excited about the game uh, this weekend, hoping for... Uh, a good result for everybody, because like I said, I think most uh, Buckeye fans want nothing but good things for Luke Fickle and, by extension, the Badger program. So, Jesse, thank you so much for breaking down a little bit of this uh, this game for us, and uh, have a great rest of the season, and maybe we'll chat again soon. Because, uh, as you said earlier, Wisconsin is, for the moment at least, in the driver's seat for a Big Ten West title. So, who knows, Ohio State and Wisconsin could play a second time in Indianapolis later this year. Thanks very much for having me on. 